it's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we try to help you understand how complicated we truly are as human beings. We have an intellectual side, we have an emotional side, we have a physical side, and we have a spiritual side. And by that, I don't necessarily mean religion on a spiritual basis as much as I mean a connection to a higher power, uh, recognizing that we are indeed uh, vibrational frequencies. And when we keep our chakras in alignment, we're able to connect to those that actually have passed on. Um, So, you know, it's really important for, I think, our listeners to understand that, that we are extremely complicated and keeping it all in balance is very important. And one of the most important things you can do is stay physically healthy, because if you're not physically healthy, it's going to be pretty hard to come up with the rest of those three facets and keep them in balance because you won't have the energy. Um, You won't feel healthy enough to do that. And it's kind of interesting because the person I have as a new guest today, her name is Jan Seabaugh. And Jan is going to be talking about uh, understanding traumatic brain injuries. And I'm sure that that's going to be one of the keys is getting that person back to health and wellness, because they're not going to be able to do a whole lot more until that happens. Um, If you go to the website, SynergyConnectionRadio.com, you're going to see that um, on the um, landing page, it will say show notes. And there's 29 pages of shows now that are up there. There's about 365 or 370 shows. And um, a lot of my guests are repeats. Um, I think if you are on the show, you have something valuable to say. And I don't think you can say it in 35 minutes and then thank you very much and not see them or hear from them ever again. So I do have people come back that I believe have a lot to offer. Um, With Boomers on my landing page, if you click on their link, you're going to go in and see a lot of products that I've used for the last seven years. And those products, I believe, have kept me incredibly healthy. Uh, one of the main products that you'll want to take a look at is something called their barley. It's an heirloom barley or a gladiator barley, depending on whether you want to build muscle or whether you just want to maintain what you have, but reduce inflammation and toxins that are in your body. And um, the newest version of this is coming to uh, the company in just a couple of days now. And it's um, actually grown and manufactured in Canada, uh, where they used to have uh, fields with glaciers over them. And, And now, you know, it's been exposed because of global warming. And so the soil is still really quite good there. But this newer barley is incredibly strong. And um, I know one of the owners of the company commented actually this morning that uh, what he was able to do, you know, probably up until about two weeks ago, um, he now can do much more of. So he uses 30 pound weights to do arm curls 
and um, which I wouldn't be able to do at all, but um, he's able to do that. And prior to that, he was just using 20, but he said he realized that those weights were becoming a little lighter um, as far as his reps were concerned. So now he's gone up to 30 pound weights. So for any person, male or female out there, that wants to reduce toxicity, wants to increase their overall stamina and strength, wants to reduce inflammation because that's where every disease begins is inflammation levels. Um, check out the barley. They have some cool videos on it and everything else. Um, one other thing that I do try to mention on every show is there's two primary tests when you get your physical that you want your doctor to order. One is a D as in dog three, and you want that number when it comes in to be above 70, that is your immune system. And um, the reason so many people came down with COVID um, in spite of maybe even getting the shots is because their immune function was low. Uh, the average person, even here in Florida where we have a lot of sunshine uh, is probably around 42 to 45. The last time I had mine checked, it was sitting at 100. Um, so please ask for that test. The other one is C-reactive protein, and that is your inflammation level. And you want that number below 0.5. Um, again, I will tell you that the last physical I had, and I'm getting ready to go in again, was 0.1. So I have very little inflammation in my body. And that is where all of your diseases actually begin, is that inflammation level, wherever your weakest link is. So consider looking at the barley. If you do at checkout time, just put my first name, L-U-C-Y, into the discount bar and you're going to get $5 off. So, um, you know, check check their website out, check their products out. Um, the show is really all about living your best life and living your best life, in my estimation, includes being as healthy as you can possibly be. All right, so I'm going to be welcoming Jan to the show, and um, she has been working uh, in this field for, I believe it was 30 years, right? Yes, um, both from the legal side and the clinical side. Um, first of all, thank you very much for having me, Lucy. Um, this is a topic I think everyone needs to know something about, and I'm very passionate about it, so I appreciate that opportunity to share this with everyone. Yeah, um, most recently, I was the assistant director of a neuropsychiatric clinic for over 13 years. Most of our patients had traumatic brain injuries, and most of those TBI patients had legal cases in connection with their injury. And by the way, when I use TBI, that's short for traumatic brain injury, and also, I want everyone to know that a concussion is a traumatic brain injury. So I'll be saying TBI. And the doctor at the clinic, he was one of only 283 board-certified brain injury medicine physicians in the whole United States. And after we evaluated and treated these patients, the doctor would act as an expert witness in their legal case. Um, Unfortunately, our clinic didn't take insurance, so the patients had to pay out of pocket before the appointment. We charged by the hour, actually by the minute, for all my time reviewing the medical records before the appointment, for the full day of evaluation, and for writing up the very long report afterwards. Although our expertise was definitely worth the cost, most people couldn't afford our services. 
In fact, it was usually their attorney who paid the money up front for their evaluations, but then that cost was eventually taken out of the settlement from their legal case. Anyway, I felt so bad turning away all the callers who were so desperate for help but didn't have the money to see us. Um, and and also, every time I was you know in a social setting and I told someone what I did for a living, they'd always say, oh, I had a brain injury or my son did, and we can't find anyone to help us. And that's why I decided to leave the clinic and I wrote the book, How to Recover from Your Concussion Brain Injury. I say concussion slash brain injury because, um, you know, people don't realize that when they had a concussion, they actually had a brain injury. So how to recover from your concussion slash brain injury, the 10 most common symptoms following concussion slash traumatic brain injury and practical steps for finding the right treatment. And I also um, developed a course on the same topic because a lot of people, especially brain injury patients who have difficulty reading after their injury, they prefer to listen or, or watch a you know a recorded program. Um, how many times do people who have had, you know, they could have, you know, I mean, obviously football players, but um, I just saw something on television the other day and I thought immediately of you and this show because it's power slapping. Have you ever heard of such a thing? No. <laughs> um, I had never heard of it either. And I guess it is a sport. And we okay. have a champion here in the Tampa Bay area and they were demonstrating. And I mean, he hauls off and slaps another person and they somehow judge it based upon, I guess, how the other person's head moves or neck moves. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, cervical injuries, you know, traumatic brain injuries, the whole nine yards and why they would ever allow such a sport to exist because there's no helmet, there's nothing. You just stand there and slap the other person. No, I'd never heard of that. That's amazing. Um, any of those sports, boxing, even football, you know, they kind of make my stomach sick to to watch. Um, because I mean, you can get a brain injury from falling, from a car accident, work injuries, but to be in a sport where you're purposely putting yourself in that situation makes no sense to me. And even as as advanced as they can make helmets that still won't stop a brain injury. It may help a little, but the fact is, is your brain does not take up the whole space in your skull. So there's some cerebrospinal fluid surrounding your brain that in your normal everyday bumps and everything will protect your brain. But when you're hit hard or slapped, whatever, and your neck whiplashes, your brain is gonna bounce back and forth inside your skull. And inside your skull, you have bony ridges. So you're going to have a brain injury. And, you know, when your head whiplashes one way, your your brain will slam against your skull, let's say in the front. But then as you bounce back, then it slams against your skull in the back. So you can injure, you know, multiple places or in a case where your car is hit and spins, your your neck is rotating and your brain is bouncing all over your skull. So you, you can get a brain injury from, you know, standing up and hitting your head on the cabinet because you forgot that, you know, it was there or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I just don't understand that, that a sport slapping someone. I just don't understand that. 
No, I, I really uh, <clears throat> shook my head on that one. And then, you know, children that are injured, how many times do they become like an ADHD kid because of that type of brain injury? You know, if they um, were injured in a sport, you know, as a child or hit by a car or, you know, any number of things that could happen to them. Because I worked in clinics with ADHD kids and I used to see there was a parallel between many times accidents that children had and they becoming, um, you know, an ADD or an ADHD kid that they weren't before. And then they became one after the accident. So did you see any of that like with adults or with children? Yeah, uh, we treated mostly adults. Um, we treated some children, but it's it's harder with children because their brains haven't fully developed before the accident. So unless they had really good school records, it's kind of hard to, to tell exactly what the before and afters are. I mean, the parents usually notice something, but as far as, you know, documenting actual change in their IQ, for example, you have to have testing before and after. Right. But with adults, they actually almost all have the same symptoms of ADHD, you know, um, poor memory and focus, focus and attention and, and all that stuff. And we would actually prescribe Ritalin or Adderall for them. Um, unfortunately, a lot of insurance companies would not cover it unless the patient had a diagnosis of either ADHD or um, narcolepsy. But mm. those drugs actually helped most patients, even the ones who really didn't want to take any prescription medication, when they would finally give in and try it, they would come back and say, that was a major game changer. I'm now able to focus and, and complete a task and um, you know stay awake for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So narcolepsy is also something that can happen with these cases, huh? No, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm just saying that stimulants were created for either ADHD or narcolepsy. So okay. with just a diagnose, diagnosis of traumatic brain injury, some insurance companies won't cover it. Even though we would provide several uh, peer-reviewed journal articles that showed its efficacy for TBI patients, so when you got started with this, were you kind of straddling the, the line between attorney and clinician in a way, or were you a little more focused on, um, you know, how to help the patient from a clinical point of view? Well, I started out um, in law firms working on some head injury cases Then I went to graduate school and got my master's degree in psychology in which I learned a lot more about um, the brain and behavior connection. Um, kind of a long story, but then I went to law school. So I've worked on brain injury cases, both clinically and um, forensically, legally. So um, in 2009, I started working for this brain injury clinic. It was a neuropsychiatric clinic, but most of our patients had TBI. And from then, I was just, you know, evaluating and treating them. But because they also had brain injuries, I mean, I'm sorry, legal cases, and were often referred to us by attorneys, um, the boss, the doctor that I worked for, he would act as the expert witness in their case. So because I had this legal background, 
it was very valuable in you know our report writing and everything to know what the opposite the opposing attorney was going to say so the opposing attorneys always want to say oh they're faking because especially if you have a mild or moderate traumatic brain injury you're going to look normal on the outside you know you you probably did not have a cracked skull or bleeding on the brain so everyone just thinks you're faking even spouses they think you know why can't you just go back to work the fact is most of our patients were never able to return to work even with a mild traumatic brain injury if they did, they relied on their long-term memory of their work duties to get them through. But as soon as something changed, like they got a new computer system at work, they were not able to lose it, I mean, to learn it. And so they either lost their job or um, were forced to resign. So it, I just became, you know, so compassionate and, and went on such a mission about teaching people about brain injury symptoms, because there's so many people out there who have had these horrible things happen to them and they can't get any help. So that, that was the purpose for writing this book. I want to spread the word to, to everybody. So where do they go, you know, for help? Because I mean, we have, whether it's Florida or whether it's Wisconsin or whether it's New York or wherever, we have accidents every single day. And it's not just car accidents, you know, it, it can be anything obviously that could cause a, a traumatic brain injury, but where does somebody begin to go? You know, I mean, does your book outline that as this, these are the things you can do to make it better. And this is the person or persons that you can contact. Exactly. So I start off the book explaining what the criteria are for a TBI. And we go a little bit about the uh, stages of grief, because a lot of people don't want to accept that they have a brain injury and now they have a new normal. But then most of the book is all about the 10 most common symptoms. And when I say 10 symptoms, they're actually 10 symptom groups. For, exact, for example, cognitive symptoms, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, memory and, and speech and all kinds of things that go with that. Mood symptoms, there's depression and anxiety and PTSD. So we go through all the symptoms and I provide a symptom checklist that they can go through with me, check out the symptoms that they have and take it to their doctor. Um, and then I also tell exactly which type of professional you see for each symptom type. For example, post-traumatic vision problems, a lot of people don't even realize that they're having them. They may think, well, I just don't see as good as I used to. But you don't go to your regular optometrist. You don't go to an ophthalmologist or even a neuro-ophthalmologist. You go to a neuro-optometrist for post-traumatic vision symptoms. So for every symptom group, I put a link to the associate the national association that they can click on and put their zip code and then they can find that specialist in their area to go to so a lot of people start with their primary care physician and most of them know little to nothing about traumatic brain injury um, in fact in our clinic we would host a lot of medical students or psychiatric residents and they told me they didn't learn anything about brain injury in medical school. And that's so surprising. Mm. And I don't, I don't know if you caught it um, at the beginning. I said my, my, the doctor I worked with was one of um, only 
280 or so brain injury, board certified brain injury doctors in the whole country. So I looked that up by state and I think there's 12 states who have zero board certified brain injury doctors in those states. So, you know, that's another reason I wanted to put out this book. Um, And I even had a family practice physician read my book and um, left a review saying, you know, I didn't know any of this stuff and I'm, I'm really glad I read this book and now I can, you know, understand what my patients are going through and direct them where to go. But um, for each different symptom type, there are different specialists, like for a lot of the cognitive problems, you would see a speech language pathologist. I know a lot of people think a speech therapist is like, you know, when you're little and learning to talk and you're not pronouncing your letters correctly, but speech therapists can give you a lot of compensatory strategies or or tips uh, for memory. And um, same thing with an occupational therapist, they'll give you tips like on how to set up your medicine pillbox and, you know, where to keep it so that you're most likely to remember to take your medicine, things like that. Um, So that that's what we did at our clinic, we would um, evaluate them and come up with like a two-page list of diagnoses and then send them out to specialists in their area because we got patients from all over the country, but to treat the different types of symptoms. So it's not just one doctor. And I've even known people who have found, were lucky enough to find a brain injury clinic in their area, some associated with a prestigious university, and they maybe got a little help, but then they, you know, after a short time would be told, well, I'm sorry, that's all we can do for you. And these people are thinking, no, I, I don't accept that. And so they would go on their own and try to search for uh, you know, other types of therapies for them. So we really have a long way to go to, to educate everybody on recognizing and treating TBIs. Um, what about like diet? Does that need to change or does it change with a TBI? you know, where maybe they were inclined to eat one way before, and then all of a sudden, you know, that food is no longer appealing. Does that ever happen? Um, well, I mean, yeah, definitely they can lose their sense of taste or smell. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've had a lot of patients say that their, their taste or the way they eat changes, but also where I thought you were going at first is um, nutraceuticals or different you know, vitamins and supplements that can help their brain heal. So those are always helpful. But yeah, so many things about their life changes. Um, they lose interest in things they they used to like to do. A lot of times it's because they can no longer physically do them because a lot of people who are in accidents also have um, musculoskeletal injuries. But sometimes, I don't know if it's depression or whatever, but they just all of a sudden lose interest in, in what they used to like to do. And a lot of people can no longer read either because of vision problems, like their eyes jump around, they they can't follow the line or the light of the computer screen uh, bothers their eyes, or they can't remember what they just read. So they have to keep Mm. reading things. So yeah, it's, it's really a total life change. Um, You know, in, in school, we've had a lot of students who were, you know, they took um, the AP courses in high school, and maybe they had a concussion or two in their sports, but all of a sudden they were in a 
fairly minor car accident and could never return to school. Um, your, your relationships change. Um, sometimes the patients become very, excuse me, really irritable and no one likes to be around them or they don't like to be around others because, you know, noises and everything bother them. Um, people, patients sometimes avoid, well, they don't like crowds, of course, um, but they also avoid going out and socializing because they have trouble following the conversation. They have trouble thinking of the words they're trying to say, and they don't want people to think that they're, you know, stupid or, or whatever. So it, it's a real life change. And like I said, a lot of people don't really want to accept that they're never going to be the same again. But what I found when talking to patients is the ones that finally did accept their injury and that now this is their new normal, they are the ones that then progressed a lot further after that. Mm, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, just looking at even the aging process, um, I think acceptance, you know, is key because if you keep looking at what you once could do, and maybe you're not able to do it anymore. A lot of these same symptoms that you're talking about, depression, anxiety, anger, you know, grief, all of those are associated with that. And the commonality between people who have strokes uh, and TIAs is very similar to, mm -hmm. I mean, not TIAs, but traumatic brain injuries um, is very similar with a lot of the symptoms that you were pointing out. So. I don't know whether um, a traumatic brain injury can lead to a stroke, does it? I don't have the medical answer for that. Um, although we did have patients who subsequently had strokes. Um, Would it be mostly from like, um, I'm even thinking football because I believe I'm a huge Green Bay Packer fan. And so I actually worked with some of the Packers when I was living in uh, the Green Bay area. And I know, I mean, that was one of the big fears that every single one of them pretty much had is once you go out on the field, you know, you're at risk mm -hmm. you know, for a TBI and there really isn't anything you can do. Um, so you have to overcome your anxiety if you're going to play up to the level that they hired you to play. And at the same time, by doing that, you are constantly at risk for injury. Well, the scary thing is, is there is a study of high school football players, and they determined that the average high school football player uh, experienced like 500 and some sub-concussive hits every season between practicing and games. And they're theorizing that these sub-concussive hits are actually, you know, accumulated are actually more risky than the actual concussions. Mm. So I think that, you know, most parents and players think, well, I've never had a concussion or I've never lost consciousness, so I'm fine. But that's not really the case. And I, I don't no, but it, I mean, it seems like there would be some correlation between those subconcussive hits and CTE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you remember the name Brett Favre, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, with the Packers. Bad. So I can't even 
tell you how many concussions, you know, that he actually had, but I think it was uh, over a dozen in the years that he played for the Packers. And uh, I don't know whether how much that's impacted him, you know, at this point in his life, but because you don't hear him talking too much anymore. Um, but it seemed to me like about 10 years ago, there was some rumor certainly out there that uh, some of the hits were beginning to take their toll, not just physically, but also, you know, like mentally, um, cognitively, you know, on him. And, uh, and, and that's just, it's so sad. I mean, you know, it is their career and they're paid handsomely for it, but their body is always put, you know, at risk. So what would be some of the um, major points that you would want somebody to know as far as uh, maybe, you know, five things that they could do that would make their lives better, you know, as far as uh, obviously reading your book, but um, are there some things that they can begin to do at home even to make their lives work a little more efficiently for them? Well, until very recently, the thought was to have complete cognitive rest, you know, stay in a dark room, no TV, no screen time for a couple of weeks. That's changed pretty recently. Now they're saying, if you can tolerate it, you should go back to activities as soon mm -hmm. as you can um, go back to school or whatever. So that's uh, one change. But I think, um, you know, if you need therapy, go see a therapist because you have a, you've had a life change. You probably had relationships change, but you may have some PTSD symptoms. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to, you know, solve it all yourself, go talk to somebody that that would be very, very helpful. Um, and definitely if you find a doctor who is giving you helpful information, uh, follow their recommendations. And also a big thing is medication. So one problem is you go to this doctor and you go to that doctor and they prescribe medication for you. And they, but they don't know what each other is prescribing. So you start this medication, you start that medication, and then you may start to have side effects and you don't know what's causing them. So maybe you stop all medications. The doctor that I work for was very strict about starting or changing one medication at a time. And we kept adjusting that till we got it right before we'd move on to something else. And it really helps because if you have a brain injury, you're going to have trouble with memory and everything, but it really helps if you have a family member or caregiver who can help with your medications. And, you know, it, it helps if you write down either benefits or side effects you might be having. And that will help your doctor be able to determine if, yeah, that's the right medicine, it's helping, or we need to up the dose or no, that, that medication is not helping you. So um, paying attention to your medications is very important. Um, and I think that, um, like I said, seeing if you have any eye problems, a lot of people don't realize they're having eye problems, but you may be having double vision. Um, what happens, and I, I don't really know the exact medical um, terminology for this, but it's like your your two eyes are not focusing on the same thing at the same time. So even getting a simple pair of prism glasses from a neuro optometrist, you know, makes your eyes see at the same level. 
Um, you may even need vision therapy, but if you're not seeing correctly, it's going to give you headaches. You're going to be irritable. You might walk into walls because you've misjudged where you, uh, where your shoulder is in connection to the doorway. You might bump into the coffee table because, you know, with your knee because you misjudged it. Um, you may have trouble navigating steps because your eyes can't judge where your foot is in relation to the step. Uh, driving, you may, you know, run over curbs or back into things. So um, definitely pay attention to your to your vision um, changes. And another one is driving. I know that people don't want to lose their driver's license. I would really hate it if I could no longer drive. But there's so many symptoms that could put you at risk if you're driving as well as everyone else on the road. So if you're having memory problems, you can't remember how to get someplace, especially someplace you used to go to all the time. If you're having some PTSD symptoms while you're driving, uh, you know, if you, you, you arrive somewhere and you don't remember actually getting there, um, some people have trouble distinguishing left and right anymore. Um, anything like that, uh, if you are prone to seizures, for sure you shouldn't be driving. So before you just get back on the road, if there's any questions by you or your family member, I would recommend getting evaluated by a certified driving rehabilitation specialist. And they can um, give you some tests and put you in front of a simulator before they put you out, out on the road. So those, those I've are... never even heard of that. So there's actually specialists that can certify you to be safe to go back out on the road. Yeah, so I would recommend not going directly to the DMV. Mm -hmm. I forgot. I think maybe in Texas it's DPS or DRS or something like that. But um, they probably will just take your license away. And then it's a real hassle to get it back. Oh, yeah. Um, so go to one of these CDRS, and if you Google, I think there's a website for their national association to find one in your area, and they will test you, and they will test things like, you know, your memory. Um, Response time, things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly, and probably even your vision, and then they will determine if you're safe enough to be out on the road, and they will give you wow. some kind of documentation saying so. Yeah. Oh, all so fascinating. Well, our show is literally over, and uh, normally I take a little bit of a break to have a word from our sponsor, but I didn't do that today because there wasn't any good spot to do that in. Um, so let people know how they can reach you, and of course, all of that is going to be in the synopsis on the website as well, but uh, let people know, Jan, how they can reach out to you, maybe to get your book or to talk to you personally. My website is www.thetbiconsultant.com. Uh, my book is on there, my courses, and my email is support at thetbiconsultant.com. All right. Well, everybody, please go out there and make this your very best life. And if you know somebody who has suffered from a traumatic brain injury, Please have them listen to this show. Uh, let them know about uh, Jan's book so that it's available to maybe give them some ideas on what to do next. 
you know, in this particular situation. And thank you for being on my show, Jan. And I will see you again in December. Thank you so much, Lucy. You're welcome. All right, everybody, please go out there and make this your very best life. Talk to you next time. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.